Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Space Junk Podcast. In this episode, Dustin Gibson and Kat Machen get together and talk with Bryce Allen. He is a launch operations technician at Virgin Orbit. And for those of you who don't know, Virgin Orbit is a branch of the Virgin family of companies that is run overall by Richard Branson, and they use air launch methods of getting vehicles into space, or at least they are exploring that technology. This is where they use airplanes to get uh, as a starting point to Earth orbit instead of using ground-based launch vehicles like SpaceX, where Bryce Allen also used to work. He was in quality assurance there, and he was also a member of the Coast Guard. And in this episode, they get together and they talk about all kinds of cool things about what it's like to have air launch vehicles instead of ground launch, what it's like to even work at Virgin Orbit and SpaceX and all these really exciting private companies trying to get us into space. They also talk about the importance of the military in both Dustin and Bryce's careers. So this is a really great episode and they do all of this while sipping on some really nice scotch. So enjoy the episode and let's get started. Hello everyone and welcome to Space Junk, a weekly podcast dedicated to the amazing hobby of amateur astronomy. Each week, we'll bring you interesting and fun discussions with an eye towards providing you with the latest information and advice on the tools, gadgets, software, and techniques for maximizing your enjoyment of the night sky. Your hosts are Tony Darnell from DeepAstronomy.Space and Dustin Gibson from OPT Telescopes, a world leader in telescopes and accessories. Sounds good to me. It's really, <laughs> that's what always happens anyway. It's just like us kind of, you know, going to wavelength and getting drunk. <laughs> what are you pouring right talking? here? What kind of scotch is this? That is the, I couldn't tell you, the Grand Whiskey of the Highlands, but the name, the name escapes me. Um, Usquebec? Usquebec? Yeah. Is that what that is? 225, 225 years, years they've been tradition. making scotch, huh? Yeah. 225 years. You're making Cat very happy right now. Uh, I love this. It tastes like vanilla. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can, you can <laughs> say the name if you're drunk. That's the deal. Yeah. Cat sitting here over my shoulder drinking scotch, right? And, then, and we got some tasting rum. What is this tasting? Yeah, rum? the Diplomatico. Yeah. Reserva Exclusiva. It's good when you get rocket scientists, um, you know, drinking rum and scotch at the same time. <laughs> right? Cheers. 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 <clears throat> yeah, man, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> So anyway, Bryce, man, so glad you're here. So glad you're here. Um, we got a lot to talk about. I guess we do. You are Rocket Man. Yes. And you've worked at multiple rocket companies. You've seen, you have a really unique perspective because you've been kind of part of, you were part of SpaceX uh -huh. right, for pretty much, a, you were along for the whole like ride. I was, I was there for the first, the first landing uh, God, that in the drone huge. ship, the first landing on land, uh, first Falcon Heavy. What was that like at, you know, be like the inside SpaceX when the first one landed? Oh, the, well, the tension, I mean, is palpable. You know, you're cutting it with a knife in the air, watching everybody just glued to the screens. Did um, you cry? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was that rocket was a labor of love. I mean, they all are. But, you know, seeing it come back and and seeing the company prove its mission statement of, you know, reus reusability and and getting it to where it wasn't just a dream anymore was fantastic oh yeah everyone was crying it seemed like uh god you your beard is really hefty to be <laughs> someone to picture crying i, I just can't <clears throat> i can't envision it 
I use it for beard oil when it when it runs dry. Which makes you know? sense because yeah. it doesn't look dry at all. It's just it's all about reusability, <laughs> yeah. you know. It, it right. drops you, down my face and just laps it up. Right. Like you picked that up at SpaceX. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Reusability. Reusability. That's I got all you, it's man. about. No, I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you guys launched the first rocket. You were there. You were part of it. And, you know, when I came, I've toured SpaceX a couple of times with you out there. And the thing that always amazed me is when you're not part of a rocket company, you kind of just like, or at least I did, I imagined these rockets just kind of coming into existence, probably being manufactured by machines. And, mm -hmm. you know, nobody ever really touches anything. They just like, you show up and then there's a rocket there. Yeah. And then you see when you, when you tour SpaceX, how hands-on everything you were doing actually mm -hmm. is. So these are like, these are your children. Oh yeah. I yeah, mean, you see it, you see it from inception. I mean, from the portions of the barrels coming together to, you know, pneumatics lines and fueling lines coming in, trickling into our racks to getting, you know, putting them on, installing them to putting the covers on and then, you know, shrink wrapping the whole thing and sending out the door. It's like, you know, watching a kid grow up and, you know, sending them off to college or, or sending them off on a field trip, you know, but this one, they're going to come back. You, you shrink know? wrap rockets. Yeah. Yeah. When we, um, when we finish the full vehicle, like in Hawthorne, for instance, um, we shrink wrap it for, uh, it's called rhino hide and it, we use it for just transporting on the road. All oh, right. Like, so a rocket come down basically yeah. massive. Yeah. Yeah. You could say that. It's extra yeah. large. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a magnum size. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why, um, I mean, I guess I don't understand. I mean, this rocket is about to go through a lot more than the, you know, I guess the wind hitting it while mm -hmm. it's on the back of a truck. Why, mm -hmm. why do you have to shrink? Well, it? you do that because we put uh, a blanket pressure on the tanks because if you didn't running or transporting a rocket down the road, uh, would be pretty hard. You want, you want the rocket to be structurally sound and it is when we build it, but when you put pressure into tanks, they become mm -hmm. a lot more rigid right. when you don't have a pressure, when you have a pressurized ta or a tank that's not pressurized. Um, it's a lot more flimsy. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. So when they do that, they, the rhino hides more for protection from debris on the road because mm -hmm. the rocket is so long that they have to use uh, split axles. Yeah. So they have a trailer up front next to the semi, and then they have one all the way on the back. But throughout the, the length of the rocket, there's nothing else there. It's just the rocket being suspended in the air. So they have to, they have to protect it some way. The scale of these things, it just... You know, it just strike even just walking up to SpaceX, you mm -hmm. see the Falcon 9 sitting mm -hmm. there outside. And when you see it on TV, it just doesn't, it doesn't compute. Like you yeah. can't, you can't understand how big, I mean, this is launching a skyscraper yeah. into space. Absolutely. I mean, the pictures, you know, Elon Musk always likes to tweet pictures of him, like standing on the landing sites, you know, after the rockets come back, but you don't, you don't get the scale until you actually go to Hawthorne. And see it for yourself. And I, I try to encourage everyone to do it because it's some of the only times that you can actually stand there, you know, and and see the magnificence of a, of an actual rocket and what it looks like when it comes back. Where do you're where are you now? Uh, I'm currently at Virgin Orbit. You're at Virgin Orbit, yeah. and you guys have a completely different plan. We do. Um, our platform is designed uh, on the guise of air launch, and so. The difference between air launch and ground launch, obviously, is uh, we use an airplane similar to uh, what Northrop Grumman uh, uses for the Pegasus program. Uh -huh. uh, they have a similar uh, platform, but they use a smaller vehicle 
Um, and they also launch it underneath uh, the fuselage of their plane. Um, and I can't remember right now what the, the plane that they use is. Um, but we utilize a 747 that was previously owned by uh, Virgin Atlantic um, and was aptly named Cosmic Girl before we purchased her. So it was it was kind of fitting that you it was know, made that, to be. Yeah, that she came into our service. Um, and so we uh, utilize the engine maintenance mount for the 747s um, as the mounting point for our rockets. So it was actually pretty fitting or pretty easy for us to to retrofit a pylon on there mm-hmm. um, to attach the rocket, which is launcher one, to the vehicle to, or to the plane to be able to launch it. They could strap two rockets on each side and then... Um, not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, no, you just could. For, just for standard... Yeah, just to look like a big old fighter jet, you know, flying around in the sky. Right, right. So um, I'm glad you're at Virgin, actually. I I thought it was an awesome move when you told me you were making it. I think that Virgin is just an innovative company in general. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just the idea that, you know, you're going to skip the hardest part. You can use these, uh, these smaller rockets right because you're you're starting so high up yep. and it's just a cool idea i like the idea of bringing something yeah so high up on a plane and then launching it from there absolutely like how cool is that i mean it's it's every it's every kid's dream you know playing <laughs> playing with like fighter you know fighter jet toys right. and like pressing the little buttons on them and launching the rock like the launching the missiles mm-hmm. we're just doing it on a bigger scale yeah you know exactly. our, our pilot um our pilot Kelly Kelly Latimer, she's she's been you know she's a former military pilot. She's flown for NASA, um, so she has the experience you know to to get us where we need to be. And she's been she's been really really uh, instrumental in the flight test program um, and soon to be our our launch program. Richard Branson is just such a badass too. He is. It's got to be cool is. to be just part of that vision. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's not just Virgin Orbit. So you're with Virgin Orbit, yep. But Virgin Galactic is also part of his vision, yes, and something entirely separate, correct? Yes, Virgin Galactic. If you if you want to look at terms of companies that Richard Branson owns, everything that he owns is Virgin. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's in the Virgin family. But in terms of rocket companies, he has Virgin Galactic and Virgin Orbit. Um, and when you try to differentiate the two, Virgin Galactic launches people. And Virgin yeah. Orbit launches satellites. And there's no, um, there's never going to be a time, or at least right now in the company's mission, there's not going to be a time that Virgin Orbit is trying to take people further because it's a bigger, yeah. right? It's a, it's, it's a larger. It's a huge undertaking to launch people, and yeah. and we would have to, we would have to revamp the entire platform. A 747 air launch wouldn't, right. wouldn't work for that. How long is, uh, or how far out is Virgin Galactic trying to take people? I, I know they're going to the edge of space and I know mm-hmm. that um I know that when they do launch people uh or tour their their tourist program, I know that they will be certified astronauts um from the FAA. Yeah. So I'm not sure. The people themselves, like, yeah. like the tourist will be yeah, certified. Yeah. No Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. So that's part of it. That's part of your mm-hmm. ticket fee. That's part of I mean, that's the that's what you get. I mean, you get the experience of a lifetime, you know, being shot out to the edge of space. But you also get astronaut wings. That's, you have to, that's so cool. You yeah. have to be a kid in a candy shop every single day. Oh yeah, of your life at work. I mean, it's it's absurd that we're talking. We live in a time where you can buy a ticket to go to space and yeah. float around, right? Like you're you're it's, going out, and it's just that's the whole point of your trip is to go out there and just enjoy it. It's, it's space tourism. Yeah, it's definitely not something that people you know fifty years ago probably would have ever no. thought would be possible. No, it's it's just so 
crazy that this mm-hmm. stuff it happens so fast. I mean, think about the um man, that's a healthy pour right there. Oh yeah. That's a healthy pour. It looks good. What do you think about this scotch, by the way? It's it's great. It's got a really good drinkability to it. I'm really impressed by it. That yeah. Lafroig sitting next to it right there. That's my favorite yeah. scotch in the world. Yeah, we gotta pull that out too. I love yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's so smoky. I love the PD scotches, mm-hmm. you know. Anything that's from Isla. It's yeah. uh you've got so Lagavulin, Lafroig, and Ardbeg are all right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And um, they all, I think those are the three best. I really do. I haven't found any scotches that I think. And honestly, you can buy a lot more expensive scotch than that 10-year Laphroaig. Obviously, but, we did. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. But there's not much that That's beats still, it. Yeah, it's still great. But yeah, all... What do you think all about this? Scotch uh, whiskey is uh, what is it? Diplomatico, amazing. this tasting rum here. Oh, the rum is super smooth. Yeah, Diana was nice enough to bring that in for yeah. the podcast. Yeah, man. we're definitely going to have to say thank you to her for that it's the first tasting rum i've ever had i haven't even tried this yet let me let me check this out oh yeah have you tried yours oh yeah i doubt mine already <laughs> oh have you not had any no i've not had any oh wow it's that's really, dangerous yeah that's good that's that that's that uh that's good. pirates of the caribbean stuff yeah you know? exactly <laughs> getting real jack sparrow dustin's oh, yeah. got his eye patch on already <laughs> yeah no that's good yeah. that's very good yeah so i just got derailed yeah we did wow talking about scotch and well you know what i've got something anyway because (laughs) every time you come here you come here with a gift i do you know and you brought me a gift today i did um a piece of a rocket yeah a piece of a rocket we uh we just finished our flight test program with launcher one our our rocket and the the penultimate test i guess you could say is the uh drop of our rocket from the plane um to test the pylon and so we what's the pylon sorry the pylon is what attaches the rocket to the plane oh, i get you so it's uh it looks like a, a big hug when you look at it a by itself hug. what yeah. does that mean what? it's got two arms that come out uh towards the back of the the back of the wing um and that's what holds the the rocket from swaying back and forth i feel like you've got a new nickname now it's like the hug the bearded big hug <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so we uh we did that test, God, like maybe a month ago or so, um, where we dropped it. Uh, we dropped it out in the Mojave Desert. We, you didn't fire the rocket. You just dropped no, it. Yeah, just- it was just a simulation. Oh. or a, a, It wasn't a simulation. I mean, it was a real test. But we, we simulated everything up through our launch program or our launch campaign up until the rocket uh, ignited. But you were um, ultimately – so you actually built a rocket and then you just – Literally dropped my yep. mic mic drop, but yeah, a much higher distance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a thirty-eight thousand foot mic drop. <laughs> you have to though, right? Like, yeah, there's no way around it. You no, have to drop. I mean, the yeah, I mean, the pylon was built in house. We had to go through a certification program with that before we could attach the rocket to the vehicle or to the plane. And then once that was done, we did flight tests with the with the rocket unloaded and loaded. So load unloaded with fuel and loaded with fuel. But we didn't use actual fuel. We used. Uh, you know, a mixture just to simulate the... Use Lafroy 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a lot of whiskey. We uh, we used a, a liquid just to simulate the the mass. So we didn't have... It wasn't like a volatile test of, of right. flying around with the locks in the, in the RP-1 mixture that yeah. is typically used for what rockets. Is, what is RP-1? RP-1 is a refined kerosene. So uh, rockets fire with a mixture of liquid oxygen and RP-1. It's just a basic... 
it's a basic rocket fuel that's been used, mm -hmm. you know, since the inception. So, so with liquids though, you have a little more control, right? Cause if you light a, if you ignite a solid, mm -hmm. you're, you're just along oh, for the ride. You're along for the ride. Absolutely. Yeah. Once yeah. it's, once it's going, it's going. Yeah. Right. But with a liquid, you're injecting it so you can stop injection at any point. Yes. Yeah. You, we have a uh, flight controllers that can tune, you know, tune the engine and that can, uh, monitor, you know, the thrust and everything and, and make sure that the rocket's operating health, healthy and, uh, and getting us to where we need to be the orbit that we need to be at. Yeah. So it's pretty nice. Everything, you know, and, and that's another great thing about Virgin Orbit is everything that's, that's built is built in house, you know, so from the avionics all the way to the engines, you know, and, and the rocket itself, everything's built here. I want to get into, how the hell you end up being a rocket man here in just a second. But I want to say, every time you come here, you bring me something awesome. Mm -hmm. Every single time, right? You always bring me a piece of history. I try. Because you're always uniquely positioned to have these pieces of mm -hmm. history and to, like, you're every day i feel like you're witnessing something you send me these texts and you're like check this out yeah look um like look what i'm going to be doing or whatever mm -hmm. it's like damn man you're living the life but i wanted to do something too because i feel like every time you come you you don't just one up me you kind of like thousand up me <laughs> you know because i'm always like dude check out this new whiskey <laughs> yeah. come check out this scotch man yeah and you're like oh yeah here's a piece of a falcon nine yeah right or launcher one yeah, yeah 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 exactly or whatever it is yeah and um and so I've got something here for you. All right. And this is pretty wild. You know who George Ellery Hale is? I've heard the name. Dr. George Ellery Hale. So you know Mount Wilson mm -hmm. and Palomar? Absolutely. So this is a visionary just back in the day, right? So in the early 1900s. This is the guy responsible for the telescopes in Mount Wilson, the one that discovered other galaxies in the universe that okay. Hubble used, right? Yeah. And then Palomar, which at the time was like the biggest telescope in the world. Mm -hmm. More discoveries from this guy's inventions or these, these guys designs than anyone else in the world can claim yeah it's amazing how much was done in the early 1900s yeah. einstein used this stuff mm -hmm. and so at mount wilson which was kind of like at the time the epicenter of astronomy i mean it was the place you're going to go if you're going to do something big that's why hubble was there mm -hmm. right they built this incredible solar observatory and they decided they were going to get the first real shots of the sun using hydrogen alpha mm. right and so that is what this is. This is a piece of the cloth he handmade in 1905 that wow. was on the first solar telescope ever. Jeez. Ever. So the first shots, the first images on plates, on film plates that ever came of the sun came from that telescope. That's and that's amazing. the bellows cloth from it. Oh, that's amazing, man. I really appreciate that. Pretty wild, right? Oh, yeah. That's going in my... In my man cave, for sure. Patsy's going to be so happy. She's going to be like, oh, not another piece. <laughs> not another piece. Oh, shout out to my girlfriend because, yeah, there's another so one coming crazy. home. <laughs> Think about it, man. I mean, it's and that's only, I mean, it's only a little over 100 years ago yeah. that that was, I mean, that was game changing. Yeah. That was game changing. That he's like, we have a picture of the sun, mm -hmm. you know, and then it's what, a hundred and a few years later. Yeah. You're launching people into oh, yeah. space for fun. Yeah, yeah. Commercial commercialization of space has really been uh, eye opening for I think everybody. I mean, it's really it's really given the avenue for so many people to want to you know take part in their dreams instead of just looking up. They can actually go up. You know, yeah. it's not going to cost them you know a hundred million dollars on a Soyuz rocket or you know however much it's going to cost when SpaceX starts launching people. So, either. a hundred million. Yeah, per seat. Ooh. 
that's, oh, a, yeah. that's a bargain. You know, yeah. That's what's, yeah. I'll have 10. What's crazy, <laughs> though? <laughs> what's crazy, though, is it's just like a handful of visionaries when you yeah. really think about it. Yeah. Like, like Elon is certainly one of those mm-hmm. people. Elon Musk, absolutely. Yeah, Richard Branson, obviously yeah. another one. And, yeah. and the list, it's a small list mm-hmm. if you're going to be part of this group. But if you look at like where a lot of that stuff started, I mean, it started around this time, like the yeah. early 1900s that people started making this not just a focus, but this like, let's take this to a level yeah. that has just never been done before. And so that one guy was them mm-hmm. of that time. So he he was responsible for the design and build of the 60 foot solar tower, the 150 foot solar tower, all of this in your neck of the woods up there in LA, yeah. the 60 inch telescope at Mount Wilson, the 100 inch telescope at Mount Wilson, the 200 inch telescope at Palomar, mm-hmm. and the 40 inch refractor at Yerkes. I feel That's like amazing. this guy is overcompensating. <laughs> isn't it strange isn't it strange that everything that's done for astronomy is in the same shape yeah yeah very very phallic (laughs) why is that (laughs) i have no idea why is that yeah Yeah. but i mean it's it's (laughs) and it's it's always a bigger the bigger the better mentality Uh, yeah yeah I mean, it, yeah, we were just talking about the, the 30, 30 meter telescope and and that was supposedly being built in Hawaii that was being protested. Well, good on you, though, man, for I mean, um, switching to a company that makes smaller yeah. rockets. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and it says a lot about you. And yeah, <laughs> it says a lot about He's got me. No huh? hang ups, He's got no hang ups. Oh, no hang-ups God, I need more of this whiskey. No, um, <laughs> it's really it, it's amazing, you know, being a part of SpaceX <clears> early <throat> on, you know. And and then joining a, a company like Virgin Orbit that hasn't launched a rocket yet, it it shows it shows a lot of there's a there's a testament to be said about the people behind the curtain, mm-hmm. you know, that make the rockets, that make the grounds. What do you equipment. mean? Like in which which scenario are you talking about? Or um, both? Just anything. I mean, God, I remember countless countless days, you know, spending weekends, you know, holidays, and you know spending 12, 14, 16 hour days just building these rockets to see them launch. And it's, and I, I think, you know, I think about everybody that I've worked with at SpaceX and everybody that, that I work with now at Virgin, uh, Virgin Orbit that, you know, that doesn't get the, the due praise that they, that they, that they need or yeah. that they deserve. Because the thing that I find interesting <clears throat> is that, you know, most people think of space rocket factories a little bit like car factories that there's lots of machines that just automate a lot of this stuff but it's not it's like it's fully custom isn't it so oh yeah i mean obviously you're using machines you're not just like raw hands like wow but yeah i mean we use yeah we use hand tools i mean we use there are there are machines that are custom built for some of these some of these components um there's there are technologies that are out there that are not used for you know the day-to-day operations of a of another company mm. um, because we're we are producing rockets. They need to perform every time they use the every time that they that they operate. And I say every time now because they're not one and done anymore. You know, with reusability <laughs> coming yeah. in the picture, like yeah, your be- like your beard, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a one and done thing. I'm not getting rid of that. I feel left out. Everyone else here has got beards. <laughs> I, I need to. You drink them. more of this whiskey, you might grow. It might grow one. Dude, I love, I love cat's accent, man. Yeah, I've been telling everybody everywhere we go. We we've, we've been traveling a lot recently, I know. Uh, doing talks and things. And you know, every time we we go somewhere, just to hear or just to kind of see the look on people's face after <laughs> she she starts talking, I'm always like, "So, cats from Mississippi." Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, she's it's got her first a thick, time here on the West Coast. Thick, yeah, <laughs> thick accent, thick Mississippi accent. You know, yeah. she's from the South. But, but it's also amazing what she's doing as well. You know, all I don't the think painting. it's really that amazing, hey. honestly. It's, think, it's, it's kind of boring. I'm a pretty good out of 10. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> pretty good. Yeah, so yeah. Pretty good out yeah, of 10. That's, that's <laughs> so from one to 10, like you're decent. You're, yeah. you're all right. <laughs> yeah. So, no, seriously. Yeah. Five out of seven. Everywhere <laughs> we went, people were like showering her with gifts and mm-hmm. things. It was crazy. Even at the hotel, they were like, oh, you're your cat nation here's gifts because yeah, of who yeah. you are yeah you know which is really cool it was yeah. slightly creepy i mean not the gifts obviously but, but people like, knowing who you are <laughs> so i get i get these really intense messages and I, I love them and i appreciate people but someone someone sent me a message that was like i want you to wrap me in a galaxy oh at least that's the voice i expected them to say that because mm-hmm. they're like yeah i want to be there I wanna, like a, go- a little bit of golem well they wanted there. yeah they wanted like a whole like body tattooed on which i was like you know just use my work it's all good man yeah yeah, yeah. um but uh it was just the way it's just the way it was written yeah it was, it was sweet but then also scary well i mean <laughs> and i think the fan you know the fan base of anybody you know is going to have those you know those a little bit more fanatic I'm not going to say crazy, but crazy. Mate, you have a view, so, right? But um, Dustin Gibson, he's like, he's like oh, I just want to touch his beard. <laughs> so, oh, speaking of geez. Gollum, you know, you kind of look like the dude from Lord of the Rings. The, um, what is, what's the... Like the elf? No, not, not the... No, the elf with like the axe? Elf. Oh, wait. That's not an elf, man. It's a dwarf. <laughs> oh, a dwarf. No. Sorry. Yeah, it's the Sorry. dwarf. The you have the dwarf. same I'm, I'm exact beard, that. same exact color, <laughs> That's right. same yeah, everything. My uh, my ginger beard is very rare in the in these parts. You know, yeah. I, I I have dark brown hair. Um, but I've got a really, really red beard. And God, it's, that's crazy. It's so you do. Weird. You're going two tones. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like the cars from the eighties. Yeah. 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 I got the two tone paint two-tone. going. Yeah. It's good. It's a custom, <laughs> it's a custom setup you're running. Yeah. Everyone thought, uh, everyone thought I dyed it, but I, I always tell them like, why would I dye my beard? Yeah. Why would you ever dye it that color? Yeah. I, I don't know. I've got like three colors in it. <laughs> that beard is awesome, man. Yeah. You natural. have a, uh, you have a logo designed after that beard. Things mm-hmm. awesome. It's next level. I absolutely do. Yeah. Very few people could achieve that. Yeah, I try. I try. I, I try what... for the for the unbearded out there. Like for me. sure, yeah. It's yeah. A, <laughs> like cat. I can yeah. tell it's a very it's a, a very charitable gesture. I'm feeling yeah. jelly. Yeah. So yeah. jealous. Yeah. So um man, we get derailed. We, I know. We do. We we, we go off on tangents, but we always come back to center. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna try my best to yeah. uh, make sure <laughs> that we find some kind of center. So rockets. Yeah. So back to rockets. <laughs> so yeah. I want to know how you got your start. How does one go from being just Bryce Allen to being Rocket Man Bryce Allen? Well, it's it's been a long I guess it's been a long journey, you can say. Uh I started out in the military in the Coast Guard. Okay, so that was you didn't go to school first. It was military first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I graduated high school and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I saw a lot of my friends, you know, go into college and get massive amounts of debt and not happy with the with the majors that they were in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My a family friend yeah. of mine was a uh rescue swimmer <clears throat> for twenty years in the Coast Guard, retired at forty. Right. Uh, became a firefighter, but he still had a lot of friends still at the, in the Coast Guard at the time. And he took me for a tour for at the air station uh, in Los Angeles that's no longer there anymore. They relocated, but we we took a tour. And then that day I went to a recruiter and, and signed up for nice. six years. Yeah, you did right six up, years. Yeah, right wow. off the bat. Yeah, thank you for your service, yeah. man. Thank you. That is um so I have um I have a, a spot in my heart for all military personnel. You know, I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. But I do um, too. yeah, and it's it's such a big sack. Like I think the people that haven't 
you know, been part of it at all, don't mm -hmm. realize how big a sacrifice yeah. it really is that people are giving for their country and service. And absolutely, it, it's it's amazing. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That's amazing. So what does the Coast Guard do? Do you uh, hunt down drug barons? And yeah, and so the Coast Guard, their their ethos is uh, semper paratus, which is always ready. Oh, okay. Um, it is. Are you, you know, ready now, though? Uh, I'm always ready. He's like, I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, no, but it, it's either, you know, always ready to save a life or always ready to, uh, you know, protect the borders. Um, Did you have to you do know. a lot of intense training? Because I know Dustin obviously went through, you went through Bud's training, didn't you? Uh, no, no, no. That's, oh, that's, sorry, I was, I was grabbing a, a bite of <laughs> a morsel. Uh, whatever this is, a, a bell pepper down here. Yeah. Um, but, no, so yeah, I I joined the Navy, mm -hmm. and uh, the intention was to go into the SEAL program. I joined what's called the SEAL Challenge program. Yep. Spent some time in depth training with you know what's called uh, SEAL coordinators. Mm -hmm. Best time in my life, man. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. I love that mindset in the military mindset in general. Mm -hmm. But there's just something completely different about SEALs when you, when you meet them. You're just like, I don't know anybody that meet a SEAL and be like, I don't want to be like that. Yeah, you know, they're just so prepared for everything yeah oh for yeah everything yeah and um it was fascinating so i went all in on that and um no i didn't get very far i got hurt pretty quickly mm -hmm. you know i was hiding a lot of injuries and it mm -hmm. all came out i mean i have asthma you can hear me trying to just breathe talking I'm, <gasps> wait, wait. So they say your owners are like their dogs right or dogs are like their owners so you've got, <laughs> you've got a bulldog yeah like my bulldog <laughs> that's that's pretty much a mouth breather that's pretty much me that's pretty much me but um, I think that I, I honestly, like I owe any ounce of success I have in my life to my very brief time with those guys. Mm -hmm. I really, I mean, I was surrounded by people that just had this attitude that no matter what it was, it could be done. Yeah. yeah. No matter what, oh, all I, the time. I completely agree. I mean, and so, yeah, I'm the not. Coast Guard and the aviation program. I mean, I was in aviation. Did and, you learn to fly a helicopter? No. So I was, a I was what was considered a flight mechanic. So I was in the Ooh. back on the crew. Okay. So we would be, <clears throat> we would all be a part of, you know, rescues or uh, drug interdiction or migrant interdiction, interdiction meaning capture, um, mm -hmm. obviously. Yeah, it, it was, it was an amazing, it was an amazing time in my life. And I, I, like, like you said, Dustin, I would, I would put all of my success to the Coast Guard. It's, it's crazy. It yeah. just, it creates a mindset and I didn't make it like through anything yeah. at all. You know, I'm certainly not one of them. Like mm -hmm. my, my body just completely gave out i'm still dealing with it. i got 36 inches of mesh put in my stomach last year you know yeah, but, yeah i mean i'm like constantly breaking you know i wasn't gonna say that but, but you did walked in with a stroll, like one of the, walking uh, one of the walkers <laughs> yeah. no man but it was um i'm telling you it was the best time of my life just yeah. even being part of just going to like basic mm -hmm. even and just I, honestly i think the best time that i could say was before i ever even got to basic for dep yeah. What they have is delete entry program, mm -hmm. you know, and that's where, uh, like I spent a lot of time with more time there with the seals than anything else because, you know, I didn't get very far. Yeah. You know, I got to spend one-on-one -on -one time with this guy that had put a lot of time in, in the program and just being around him, just talking to him, I feel like changed my life. Yeah. You know, it really did. Yeah. it just, it made everything else seem easy. Those career, you know, those career military guys, you know, I, I, tip my hats to them. They, no, me too, man. They do so much and they like they're, I mean, like I said, they're the unsung heroes of oh, the absolutely. service. You yeah. know, they, they spend countless hours, you know, just mm -hmm. cultivating and, and shaping these people, you know, these young, young kids coming through 
and, you know, and they go off and, and they have so many successes and they never hear about them because they're off doing their, you know, having their yeah. own successes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's absolutely amazing. So what happened after? So you were obviously in the Coast Guard and yeah. then what, what happened then? I was, uh, I was in the Coast Guard for six years. I got out and went to Afghanistan for two years as a civilian contractor there, uh, working on helicopters, hmm. um, supporting the army. And then getting out or, you know, leaving, leaving uh, Afghanistan after two years, I didn't have anything planned. And I just started throwing applications out and showing my resume to places. And this small little, you know, unknown company called SpaceX contacted me (laughs) and, and, uh, and I started to do my homework. Um, And so before that you were in, you said Afghanistan for two years. Mm -hmm. How'd you like that? It was hot. Yeah, um, typically not the place you go for yeah, the weather. No, you're you're stranded on on bases pretty much the whole time, you know, because everyone on the outside pretty much wants wants a piece of you. We've gone in a through, good way though. You still your beard. Uh, well, you have a beard. I don't know. I think yeah. some of their beards rival mine. Ooh. Yeah, we did. We had a great mission there. I worked with some great guys there, but we we were just there to support the army, you know, in their mission and you know, and what they were what they were trying to complete. So making sure their helicopters were flying, make sure everyone had what they needed to get the, the job done safely. And where'd you go to, uh, where'd you go to school? Uh, I didn't go to college. Okay. Um, I did a couple courses, you know, when I was in the military for, or at, uh, uh, Embry riddle, which oh, yeah. is a, like the a premier, yeah, university, like the premier aviation right. uh, college. Yeah. That's, that's, all over the U.S., but I, I never, I never really uh, jumped into it, jumped into it, you know, wholeheartedly because I was still, I was just in the throes of what I was working on, mm. you know. So yes. I wanted to give that more, you know, more attention than the college, and I knew, I knew that I was succeeding where I was, so mm-hmm. I just, I, I kept going that way. It's so funny how that works because I hear that more and more, especially you know within this industry. Mm-hmm. Everybody has this idea that school is going to solve a lot of problems, yeah. and. Mm-hmm. I think in certain places, it absolutely can be oh, a yeah. path to success. But in a lot of ways, school can cause a lot of problems for people. And it's not always a solution. Yeah. Sometimes it's not. And, you know, I'm finding people that are in these, I mean, they're running, you know, eight, nine figure businesses mm-hmm. because they didn't, right? Yeah. They spent yeah. that time, you know, rolling the dice and being aggressive and yeah. going for things and getting experience. And I know a lot of, actually, a lot of my friends that are just, insanely successful it's all about that drive exactly that hunger that you want to you know you want to see your business succeed and i hate to say it but you can't teach that in a school i think the thing is is those people you send those people to school they're going to be successful Mm -hmm. you send them into the workforce instead and they're going to be successful absolutely it's the person and the attitude yeah it's all about the mindset right if you have that mindset you're going to succeed no matter what it's just a matter of time I think it's interesting that you also credit your um, your time. I mean, obviously, you did six years, man. I did like six minutes, but um, you credit your mindset and your success to your time in the military. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting, especially because, you know, I don't think that people typically, obviously, people involved in the military know like uh, all the greatest technology in the world happens there. Yeah, you know, it does. But outside of it, I don't think the military is something that people think of as an intellectual pursuit. No, I don't. I, and I honestly, I I hate to say this too because I don't want to bash any of the the other services, but I think it depends on the cert on the the certain mm-hmm. service. 
you know, the Navy, the Marines, the Coast Guard, the Who Army, the shit Air about? Force. I'm not talking shit on anybody. <laughs> yeah. um, but everyone goes in for their own for right. their own ambitions, for their own yeah. reasons, you know, and it's it's up to the person to make their time enjoyable or not enjoyable. Right. You know, there's always that, you know, what are you going to get out of the end, you know, the end of your service? When you look back on your years of service, what do you what are you so happy about? And I, I see a lot of people. You know, even when I got in, you know, when I went into boot camp, a lot of people were just there for the schooling, you know, for the right. GI Bill to get their money for yeah. college. Um, What's well, a hell of a deal? It is. It absolutely is. Sorry, just uh, I'm obviously not from the U.S. So mm-hmm. what, what does that mean? So when you join the military, you you elect or you get elected into what's called the GI Bill. And the GI Bill is a fund that allows uh, the government or the service to pay for your college. Um, to a certain portion of that, mm-hmm. of your schooling. Um, they it's also significant. Yeah. And they also pay uh, like a housing allowance for you as well. Nice. Um, it's a, it's a set rank. Uh, it's on a rank system, but it's set at like E5 um, with dependents. So it's a pretty good amount of, uh, or a good chunk of money, you know, when you're a struggling college student, you know, yeah, I think trying to make your way through. It's obviously really good to see people being supported, but obviously I think there's probably at least from my experience in being in the US, there's a lot of veterans out on the streets and people that mm-hmm. need to be looked after a little better. So Yeah. And I think uh, the what attributes to that too is is, you know, some of these some of the serv- some of the, the people that get out of the services, they're not, you know, they get in at you know, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years mm. old. They've been in, you know, like myself, I was in for six years. You know, that's all you know. That's all you see is the military service and you're told what to do. You're told how to dress. You're told what, you know, where to go. Everything is mapped out for you. Right. And then you get out and there's you have nothing. You make your own decisions, right? Yeah. There's yeah. nothing. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. And that I think what a lot of the homelessness attributes to is they don't know the right, they don't have that information mm-hmm. available to them, you know, with the VA, you know, and all those other programs that are put in place or, on the other end of the spectrum, they just want to be out on the streets. Yeah, you know, I, in Australia, like a lot of them end up in, in biker gangs, biker gangs, whatever, because it's all like structured. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's just it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, topic to be to to look into. Mm. You know, because like I said, you can get both ends of the spectrum on that. So, uh, what, <laughs> so after you finished in Afghanistan, what then? What happened after um, that? So I was in, I left Afghanistan. The stopover that we had was Dubai. Okay. Um, so I had uh, about a 10 hour layover in Dubai to get my flight to LA to come back home. And I had received a, a phone interview from one of my previous bosses at SpaceX at the time while I was in Dubai. And he, you know, we con- or he call- called me, we, we talked for a little bit and he, you know, he asked me, he's like, Hey, so when, you know, when can you come in? You know, we want to get you on site to check everything out. And I go, well, I'm kind of halfway around the world right now. It's kind of, it's kind of hard for Whoa. me to get there. And he, and he sat there, he sat there for me and he goes, okay. How about tomorrow? He's like, well, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice. He said, he, he said, look, he's like, whenever you come you know, whenever you get back, he's like, just come on in. We'll start you out. We'll get you going. Um, mm. so he, he had the faith, faith in me from my interview, from the, from what we had on the phone, just to, to go forward with me and, and give me that shot. Um, obviously I had to start doing my homework cause I didn't know who Elon Musk was at the time. So um, do you often go to people like, oh, it's not rocket science like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. It's funny. You say that there's a, there's a, one of the engineers at SpaceX, 
uh, walks around walks around with a big red button on his lapel that says, I am a rocket scientist. Oh, like, God. this is rocket science. What I do, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's rocket science per se because I'm, you know, I'm just going off of what the engineers give me to build. Um, they're, they're some of the true heroes too. I mean, they're, they're up there longer than we are, you know, designing and fabricating and, and ensuring that these parts are, you know, ready to go for us to, to, to build. What did you think about Elon? Like when, when you were at, what's the work culture there like, and, and what do you the, think about him as a leader? The work culture is very aggressive. It's very fast paced as you, you know, as you can see, you know, all the webcasts that they do. I uh-huh. mean, they launch so quickly and so often. He's kind of known though, for being a workaholic and enforcing that, right? He um, is, he is, um, he, he sets high standards. Yeah. He rarely, he rarely expects failure. Um, he uh-huh. definitely wants every success that he can get. And, and we all do too. Um, the mission of SpaceX is amazing. You know, what they're doing with reusability, um, you know, launching the satellites for all their, all of their customers around the world. You know, it's a great, it's a great segue into what commercialization of space travel and space, you know, launch could be in the future. Have you met him? Um, I've met him a few times. I've seen, you know, he, he, uh, he has all hands talks with us through the company a lot, uh, when I was there just to map, you know, keep us, I guess, on track or, you know, so to make sure that we have, you know, we have his, you know, the company's interests at heart, you know, when we work. So he's, I mean, he, he is a, he is a hard driver. He so is, he is a, a hard driver. What was the learning curve from going from uh, like a helicopter engineer to like a rocket engineer, you know? Um, well, it, with military aviation, you have a lot of things mapped out for you. I mean, there's years and years of experience, you know, 40 plus years of experience in some services. And things don't change quickly and either. Things, yeah, yeah, things definitely don't change. But when they do... There is a clear, there's a clear blueprint for all of those, you know, for maintenance procedures and all the parts have been vetted and, you know, engineered and tested and, you know, and nothing changes with that. Mm-hmm. With going into uh, aerospace, it's a, it's a little bit of a learning curve, but I, I think, mean, you're on the frontier, right? No one has yeah. done this stuff before. So you got to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, ULA, ULA is, is, has been, you know, a good, uh, a, a rocket company for a long time. You know, they have a great track record when it comes to, you know, new space and reusability. Yeah. It's largely undiscovered, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and SpaceX has been paving the way for a long time now for, uh, for a decent amount of time when it comes to, you know, aerospace and re- they're the only ones doing it right now. So they're, they're the lone, you know, the lone wolf out there, you know, trying to do it. Uh, or trying to make it you know, a viable, a viable source, just like, uh, you know, electric cars and, you know, all the green, you know, all the green energy, everything's going towards reusability. It's just a matter of getting there. It's the modern railroad. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. You know, and the, and the people that get there first are, mm-hmm. are going to own everything. Yeah. yeah right? It's going to be a hard road, but you know, right. one, and, and it, and it was, you know, with the, with the failures that, that SpaceX had with the loss of uh, a dragon capsule uh, early on, um, and as well as the, the, the pad emergency or the, the, the explosion that they had on the pad in Cape Canaveral, um, those were very big learning curves. You mean the, uh, the fireworks display you uh, guys put on? Yeah. Really yeah. The big fireworks display. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, and I Whoa. give all the credit to the engineers again for that. You know, they, 
they found, you know, what the cause was so quickly. Um, they implemented those changes so quickly as far what as was the hardware cause? changes. So the Dragon capsule, when that, when they lost that, the, the rocket was in flight at the time going towards, you know, its destination or its, its destination in orbit to separate from the first and second stage. And I believe what happened with that was there was a faulty piece of attachment hardware called a rod end that uh, gets mounted to a strut. Um, and that broke off, which was holding a huge uh, pressure vessel, a COPV bottle inside the tank. And when that, when that broke, it pushed that COPV bottle through the tank skin of the rocket and, and it exploded. So we, what the, the change was implemented to do or to, to, to install, you know, beefier rod ends on that. Um, and that was done right before the first uh, landing mm. on the rocket, uh, the first rocket landing. We had to do it to that rocket because we wanted to ensure that that rocket was going to land because that was our first attempt on land. So it was amazing. It's been such a hell of a ride for you. And yeah. The things that, you know, it, it's got to be an emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. with all, especially back then, you know, with SpaceX because you were working nonstop. I remember, you know, yeah. hanging out was impossible, man. You were working yeah. nine days a week. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely tough. And, you know, we, we still do that. Uh, Virgin orbit does that, you know, SpaceX does that. Yeah. Um, what find nine days in a week. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to say no to innovation. Right. You know, it's You've hard. got a reason. Yeah. And that reason makes it worth it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's definitely, uh, it's definitely tough to do that. But when you look back on it, it's, it's an amazing ride. I must say it must be amazing every day waking up and feeling like you have this incredible purpose. Like you're driven to, you know, I mean, obviously we all know that the space that we've got on earth mm-hmm. is limited. Yeah. People, you know, the population is growing. It's yeah. going to continue so and at some point we're going to run out of places to put people, you know. We can we can stack people as as high as we can, but at some point resources are going to run out. So, yeah. you know, there must be such a, a difference waking up thinking, you know, I'm I'm actually working to protect the human race. I mean, that is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mission of the mission of SpaceX and and what it's evolved into has has always been, I believe, you know, a driving factor of what Elon Musk wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting in there and being on the ground floor, and you know, like you said, doing waking up every day and being a part of it, like that's that's what drives you know all the people in that factory. Mm. You know, they so want to see the end game. What is it that excites you then? Like, what's the thing that has you most excited, especially at, at Virgin Orbit? What has you excited? Just go ahead and tell us, you know, whatever I'm, confidential secret you need, all of our <laughs> listeners will keep it a secret. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have make sure all the all the uh, the listeners sign NDAs. No, I think that the uh, I think it's the same that I had at SpaceX. You know, the the final product, seeing it fly, being super proud of everything working the way we want it to work. You know, being a part of a team that has your back no matter what and mm-hmm. is not you're not there for, you know, any underlying reason f- of their own. It's just, it's, it's, um, it's about making, you know, making those combinations work. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to be working with those dudes, uh, at Virgin Orbit. The Wolfpack is, is, is amazing. Um, our launch team is, is so cool. I, I love all those yeah. guys there. So it looks like Travis Burke just walked in. That's he what did. happens here, oh, isn't it? Strange? All those yeah. celebrities. He's carrying a skateboard. He's like skated all the way in. Like yeah, he's just probably like, skated. Every from, time uh, he comes in here, he's got a skateboard really? in his hands. Yeah. It's actually mounted to his hand. It's yeah. like stuck. 
that. Yeah, he never lets go, right? No. Yeah, it's, it's him crazy. and his and his slack line and and his van and and all of it. I mean, it what just goes he? wherever he goes. It's crazy, yeah. man. Yeah, he's always doing epic stuff. Yeah, I want to know a few more things, man. It, right. It's like it just it blows my mind, and it's strange to me. We've spent so much time talking, but I feel like every time we're talking, we're somewhere else talking about other things. We mm-hmm. don't we don't really dig into this stuff, and I can't believe I've never asked you a lot of these questions, but. Is it the flight? Like, is it spacecraft and in, in the, the aircraft just in general that you used to work with? Are you drawn to flight or are you drawn to the innovation? I think Ooh. I think I'm actually probably more so drawn to flight. Um, you know, even when I got into the Coast Guard, my first year I spent on a boat, you know, um, out at sea uh, for long periods of time. Um but no, and now my, you're here drinking rum, so you're yeah, effectively a pirate. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You were part of the when you were with the Coast Guard. You were part of the Deepwater um, Horizon catastrophe. Yeah, so that was uh, that was when I was in aviation. You caused uh, it. You, no, 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 no. <laughs> His no. beard caused it. No, <laughs> no. I'm just um, no, we were part of the response for yeah. Deepwater Horizon. We. Uh, so could, what is Deepwater Horizon? Deepwater I, I Horizon was a. Uh, offshore oil rig that uh, exploded. That was a huge deal. Um, it, huge off, deal. Off the coast Whoa. in uh, Louisiana. Yeah. Um, caused a huge, huge oil spill. There's a movie know. about it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, Mark, yeah, yeah. Mark Wahlberg's uh, Is that the character you would have been in that scenario? No. No, 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 no. I wasn't working on the oil rig. Well, like with a big beard. beard, Yeah. (laughs) No. um, So I think that they were, or they, what from the movie and and from what I remember is that they, they, they hit a a pocket, which, you know, blew the, blew the line, you know, going up to the tanker or going up to the the rig and blew the rig up. Like overpressure. Overpressure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, and it caused a huge, one of the biggest oil spills, you know, oil spill catastrophes in, in modern times. It just couldn't be stopped, right? Wasn't that the problem? It just kept going. It kept flowing. I remember, I remember going into the air station when we arrived from Los Angeles because we flew our helicopter out there for support. Wow. Going into one of our control centers there and and they had a one of the cameras from BP, which is the oil company's response, and they had a camera on the the crack or on the hole mm-hmm. and it was just spewing oil just nonstop. For what seemed like forever. Yeah. It just, um, and it I don't, just could not solve the problem. I honestly don't I don't know for sure, but I don't think that they have cleaned everything up either. Yeah. Um, but when you when you get out in a helicopter and you see the devastation of what an oil spill can do, I mean, the sheen of wa- of oil on water, just for everywhere you look, every direction as far as you can look. Well, really, that's, that's it's, sad. Oh yeah, I mean, it devastated you know ecosystems and wildlife, and you know, and even. Uh, you know, fishermen, you mm. know, going out there, they had, they, they're, it, dev- it, it damaged that industry so hard that the government had to pay the fishermen to help clean up the oil spills. Shit. They had to retrofit their boats with oil skimming equipment because they couldn't fish because the fish were just so deteriorated from all the oil. It's, um, it, it's such a sad thing, you know, yeah. and there, there have been 
a lot of, uh, or well, I shouldn't say a lot, but there have been several, you know, kind of catastrophes like that that have happened mm-hmm. in the planet. You know, like what happened in Japan, right? It, mm-hmm. It's just such a mess. It's such a mess. Fukushima, what, right? Yeah. Uh, it, what, what do you do there? Yeah. You know, what do you do? And especially with some of the half-lives of the things involved, it's like, man, you don't have a problem today. You have a problem for a very, very, yeah. very long time. Yeah. It's like, come back in a couple million years and yeah. it'll be halfway gone. Guys. We'll be good in a million years. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's not really that bad, but yeah, it, it no, is it's, a, it's a problem. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, I think, look at the short term because that's what they're here for. They're here mm, for the short yeah, term. Yeah. They're living a short term life. And I think that everyone's very self-serving. A lot of people are very self-serving in that respect, but they need to start looking at their the the generations that are coming after them. But what do you do, though? That's the question. You're like, I agree with you. I agree with you that yeah. you have to make it a focus, mm-hmm. but just kind of like the philosophical question of like, well, what is best then? Do you halt yeah. progress? Do you halt technology do you i mean what do you do because like the dinosaurs were here for what 65 million years or or more actually it was more than that yeah i think they were here for like 200 million and it was 65 million years ago yeah. right so they could survive here and just kind of be well, that's, flat that's also that as, evolution game you know yeah what's, what what's this what is this society going to evolve into you well, know, they had those shitty little arms and later. like, you know, they, <laughs> the thumbs weren't like the best. They didn't have opposable and, thumbs. Yeah. And they never know. had the scientific method. Yeah. But if you look at all of human history, it's like the second people start really embracing the idea of the scientific method. Mm-hmm. We, it's like we talked about in the last hundred years, we go from this cloth they just gave you to yeah. you're designing things to take people into space mm-hmm. and to take, yeah. you know, payloads up that it just for like the cost of nothing yeah a lot of people i think buck science just because it's not uh comfortable for them to accept change and they're used to what they're they're they've been living for living with for the for their remainder of their or the entirety of their lives look i think that science is one of those things right that can be quite confusing to people yeah. and, and let's be honest not a single human being wants to feel like they're stupid no like no one wants to feel humiliated by the fact they can't work it out so mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that distrust science mainly because no one's really sat down and explained it because and i've got i've got to give some stick to scientists because often academics will over you know they will you they'll be overly verbose about certain subjects yeah. to make themselves feel more academic rather than just breaking it down and just being like it's like this mm-hmm. you know and and I feel like that puts a lot of people off. So we've got this whole range of people now that are anti-science, not because science is wrong, but yeah. because they just can't quite grasp it because, you know, and, and it's it's almost like it's out of reach, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I hope that at least, you know, with podcasts like this, that, you know, things will change yeah. eventually. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, if you, I mean, if we didn't have science, it's, you know, or if you didn't, un- if you don't understand science. Just go ask, you know, go ask people. I guarantee yeah. you. Well, it's such a broad thing, though. Like we say yeah. science, but I mean, right now, like we, we spend 99% of our time talking about astronomy. Mm-hmm. If you go through here and you ask about any other subject, you're going to find yeah. a lot of people that don't know. They don't, they don't, they're not going to talk to you about biochem. They're not, yeah. not going to talk to you. Well, about and another good segue to that is, you know, Hans over at Wavelength, he oh, has yeah. science Amazing. talks. He has science talks every week. The he brings best. different and it's, different scientists in, he, different experts. He talks. A, he he has a huge range of topics that he can talk about because science is a huge range of topics, mm. you know. Yeah, and you can is. you can you can educate people on everything, you know, slowly, you know, a little bit at a time, just to get them to learn something. Yeah, you know. And if there's one thing that anyone can ever take, uh, you know, 
out away from this is like don't ever feel intimidated literally just ask because the truth is yeah. is that anyone that has any understanding just loves explaining it well and i guarantee you scientists probably don't like sitting you know creating all those papers to be published all the time they probably want to get their information out there mm-hmm. to the layman because they want everyone to know they want as many people as they want to know or as as they can to know what the information is that they have well, I think what Kat was just saying hit the nail on the head, though, you know, is that nobody wants to feel like they're dumb, like they don't know Absolutely. something. But then the opposite is also true. When you do know something, it gives you this little bump in ego and, and it gives you this little bit of confidence for being yeah. the person with the knowledge. And so this creates this gap yeah. where you don't want to be on the far side of the not know, right? Absolutely. Of the don't know. Yeah. But the people that do know like the benefit of being someone that does know. So they, yeah. they really overplay that a lot. I think yeah. we're all guilty of it, yeah. you know? And so it creates this gap when the truth is, it's exactly what you're saying. We should just make it simple. But I think I'm, I'm also with the mentality that like, if I know, I want other people to know, you know, like if I know something that, that is a basic, you know, fact, that has been dumbed down enough for me to know, you know, prior servicemen, you know, uh, I want to tell as many people as I can, you know, I want them to learn just as much as I can, you know, and as, and as fast as I can. I would say that's part of your, your, your amazing personality. I don't want to like blow smoke, but you know what, you are a great guy. And I, and I, I really hope that more people, you know, see what you're doing and take mm-hmm. that on board because I think being able to share these things is the best thing ever. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, the commercial commercialization of space has been, you know, eye opening for everybody, you know, back in the Apollo era days, you didn't have, you know, as much information available as you have mm-hmm. now, you know, and, yeah. and the, and the quick communication of that, you know, worldwide is is fantastic you know and what's amazing now is you got things like youtube podcasts yeah. i mean like literally within three clicks you can be you can be connected to literally anybody in the world yeah. through you know some social media or like a channel which will tell you everything mm-hmm. you need to know like it is incredible the university of youtube yeah there are if you want to know you can know yeah, yeah exactly and i think that you know going back to you know the gift that you gave me and and the evolution of that into commercialization, like it just shows like what's been available, right. you know, like information that's available opens people's minds to what could be possible, you know, and, and if they, if people start thinking what could be possible, they start thinking of what they can do themselves. Is this a, God, I love that point. Yeah. Wow. That's I love that. Yeah. I okay. love that. We're going to make a quote in there. Post <laughs> yeah. on it. We'll, we'll, put, we'll do a yoga pose and then we'll put that as an inspirational quote and put it on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Bryce Allen. You I'll guys are 10. welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if that's true though, where, where do you think we're going? Where do you think we'll be in 10 years? Oh, I honestly, where I mean, will you be in 10 years. Ooh. Where will I be in 10 years? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. You know, I, I enjoy Virgin Orbit. I enjoy everything that I do. I'm not a, I'm not a complicated guy. You know, I enjoy being outdoors with my dogs and my girlfriend. You know, I enjoy looking up at the stars at night. I enjoy traveling and seeing the world. And I want to open, I want to make sure space is available for everyone. Mm, you know, right. I want to make sure that, you know, who whoever's seeking out answers can find them and they can find them with me. I know they can find them with you, Kat and mm. Dustin and Jenny and everybody at OPT, you know, and if, and if I can't find them, I'm going to find somebody, or if I can't give you the answer, I'm going to find somebody who can. Right. It's, it's hard to say, you know, nowadays it's hard to talk about where you're going to be 
you know, in five, 10, 15 years down the road, because everything's changing so fast, you know, as far as, you know, technology and information and where, you know, where you learn it, how you learn it and where you get it. And I think that when you form your opinions, you know, and you start to, you know, move further into your like career and your future, you know, you got to start giving back. You, oh, know, sure. you got to start, you know, bringing the next generation on with you, you know, and, and showing them the right path. So in another five to 10 years, would you say that your beard would be bigger or just about the same size? <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's his oh, five o'clock know. shadow. He yeah. shaved that this morning. <laughs> I know it's already, it's already grown back. Um, that this morning. <laughs> no, I, it's, it's, it's just, it's an amazing time to be alive, mm. you know, right now. Everything's so, so volatile, but, but. Uh, at the same time, you know, it's so available. It's not, yeah, you know? and everybody talks about the world now. Like, it's yeah. such a horrible place. And the truth is, there's always been horrible yeah. things going on at every stage. Yeah. It's just that mass, you know, dump of information. We have access to all of the good things that we were just describing. We yeah. also have access to all of the bad. Yeah. And we can see it all the time. And that stuff stirs people up. So it spreads like crazy. Mm -hmm. But man, the world isn't a bad place. No, it's not. I think that it's more that people's opinions of the world. Because the truth is, is that now we have more access to understanding of what's going on. Like the truth is, you go back to the dark ages, those plagues, those famines, there was like mass, yeah. you know, like that hectic, hectic stuff, Yeah, right? could you imagine like a plague going on right now? Yeah, and like Jesus. people like Every going live on Facebook or Instagram or something. Yeah. I'm dying. <laughs> like I'm just blah, like throwing up, yeah. like I'm just dying, you know? Or whatever i think that we get all really wrapped up in the terrible things i, yeah. I mean they're obviously bad things but yeah. the truth is is that it's more that we are we're presented with them over and over and over mm -hmm. again and actually you know what the truth is that for every bad thing there's still like you know amazing things like you know a kid seeing the stars for the first time or yeah. that smell of fresh baked bread or the beautiful things that mm -hmm. you enjoy in life right those things that change change people's perspectives mm -hmm. for a lifetime it's just our, our a lot of the problems i mean so many of the problems have been solved i've never had a friend call me about oh sorry man i can't i just got fucking scurvy again yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm not gonna make it i'm not gonna make it you My know yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just it doesn't happen yeah. you know oh, i just contracted polio you know like, <laughs> yeah, just, sorry i can't walk go on hikes with you anymore right <laughs> never never heard that but yeah. it's um i think that th that's what humans do is mm. they they look they seek out the challenge mm -hmm. and you know embrace the challenge yeah. and try to solve problems and of course we create some new problems yeah. you know we have some uh chernobyls we have some you know everything we're describing some yeah. oil spills we have yeah. these things but that's back to that question is well what do you do do you halt progress do you is it, is it, are we progressing irresponsibly fast? Yeah. You know, what are you doing? I don't, I don't know the answer to it. I really don't. You know, I've known, I've, I've, you know, throughout like just reading books and, and like nonfiction and fiction, seeing movies and, and looking through history, you always look, you always see catastrophes, um, that don't come down to the machinery, but it's always human error. Mm. It's always, it's always either a hubris of, fact from one person or, you know, something that, that gets missed, you know, misstepped or mischecked. And I think that, you know, people need to be a little bit more humble when it comes to, you know, it comes to the world, you know, don't be, don't be scared to say that you don't know, or don't be scared to say that you messed up. 
people mess up all the time. Mistakes are made, but it's it's how you come back from those mistakes, how you learn from them and how you evolve from that is what makes you that better person and what makes you a better person for everyone else around you. I absolutely agree. You know, you learn the best lessons in life from the worst mistakes. Unfortunately, some of them you can't quite recover from, but yeah. the truth is that we're always making progress and this is the reality. No one ever sets out and goes, oh, I'm going to be a bad person. Like no one no. ever does that. No, right? not at all. They, they do everybody literally. And I have this maybe slightly over optimistic view of people but and companies too you know for instance energy companies we you might we might all like you know frown at them but you mm-hmm. know how many of you, how many of us drive petrol cars you know what i mean like we're yeah. all part of the problem yeah or part of the solution whatever it mm-hmm. is you know so it's it's a case of you know people don't set out to do bad things it's just yeah. that they kind of happen yeah. And, you know, the truth is that we're learning every day. It's not like people are like turning a blind eye to it. No. We are trying to make progress and they are making progress. Yeah. I don't think that we can um, completely avoid catastrophe. And so I, you know, if I, if I had to say what I think would be best to just making a decision for all of humanity on the speed of technology, I would say go as fast as you possibly can Mm -hmm. because you have very limited control on catastrophe in general. You're going to have some. You're going to have some times where we mess up. You will. But you can't control. Look at the dinosaurs. I bet they'd have really appreciated a little technology that could yeah. stop that damn thing. Like yeah. one of those you little know? litter pickers, you know, and, so they can reach things. And we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. I mean, that could be coming, you know, in 10 days. Yeah. And we're right on the edge of having the technology to stop it. I think yeah. you just got to you gotta go all in on the human mind you were and just talking, everything you can. You were just talking with Ian and Tony on your last podcast about, or Tony brought it up about one of the meteors that's going to be making a close Apophis. Run. Yeah. Through, yeah, they want to start the a company. They want to start a... Uh, <laughs> a, a fear <laughs> campaign, get everybody super scared, and uh-huh. then sell Apophis Inc. insurance. No, of course. And then out in LA, they'll have the cults, you know, start jumping up. Yeah. But I mean, it's You'd something. Be a really good cult leader. Oh, no, I wouldn't. It's, it's just my beard. beard. It. It's just my beard. It's I know. just a beard, man. Maybe it is. Maybe um, it is. But no, I think that, you know, when. I bet he can make an insane BLT. Yeah, I bet so. <laughs> Look at him. I bet he makes the best BLT. It's only bacon. It's uh, all yeah. about the bacon. That's all it is. It's just a B. It's just a B sandwich. I, dis- I disagree with him. The B is a bread, right? No. Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, we have to see, you know, we have to see the writing on the wall. You know, if an asteroid's going to be coming that close to the Earth's atmosphere, right. you know, there's obviously going to be something coming later on. Yeah. You know, and if if people can can stop worrying about their own personalities and, you know, how that's going to take a hit if they discover something's going to be wrong or if they're wrong, you know, it, it the world's such a a big place, you know, that's that's less than a drop of water in the bucket of what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to correct you've got to correct what's wrong, you know, you can't you can't sit on it. Mm. Can't sit on it at all. Yeah, I had um, I had a friend of mine, is another another business owner, and he said, you know, I have this theory that everybody's going to mess up big a thousand times in their life, and somewhere in that thousand times, everybody has a breakthrough. Yeah, but it's the people who are willing to mess up fast and just go yeah. for it, yep. and that aren't that aren't scared of what people are going to think or yeah. what's going to happen. They are just cranking through those mess ups, man, and they're yeah. learning from them. They're going for them, and they're getting to their moments. They're mm-hmm. getting to their breakthroughs. And you know, I don't know that that that's exactly how things work, but I like that that idea that you've got to you know if that helps people say, let's just go for it, mm-hmm. fail, 
Fail a few times, fail a thousand times, yeah. but you're going to have your moment. You're going to have your breakthrough. Yeah. The world's going to be a better place. Yeah. Failure, failure is the best part of adventure. There's a, there's a quote by Chuck Jones and he said, every artist has a thousand bad drawings in, mm-hmm. inside them. And the way that you get through it is you just get them out. Yeah. And I think that's not just applicable to art, right? It's applicable to business. It's applicable to science. It's yeah. applicable to engineering, to, you know, to any construction or any, literally any, any pursuit that you can do. The truth is that you're going to mess up. You yeah. just have to keep on pushing through. Yeah. Failure is a part of the journey. You know, you've got to get through it. You've got to get through it to succeed, you know, otherwise you're just going to keep failing. Yeah. And you're absolutely. just going to live with that failure. You oh. want to succeed. You see the end of that or the top of the mountain. Yeah. And you know, there's a ton of ways to get to it. You just got to figure out the right way. I embarrass myself on a minute by minute basis, <laughs> just all the time, all the time. So anyway, we got to wrap this up. We're right. at uh, an hour and eight minutes right now. It goes so fast talking to you. Yeah, too. goes yeah. so fast. I can go an hour more. Oh yeah, oh. me too. What's well, because we're drinking? <laughs> oh, nice. We're drinking good scotch. Say oh, the name yeah. of that thing again. What's that called? Uskwebak. How do you say it, Cat? Uskwebak. Uskwebak. Is that? Is that? Uh, but you got to do the Scottish. I'm drunk, sir. You got to do the Scottish. The Scottish accent. So Uskwebak. You got to get cool, the. That's a cool it. looking bottle, though. Yeah. Yeah, you got to get that growl in there. That it looks throat, like a like, honey decanter. It tastes like honey too. So. Yeah, it's like that old moonshine, you know, yeah. jar that you see with the triple X on it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. It yeah. looks like something that would be in like the Canterbury Tales. Honestly, uh, <laughs> at this point, I'm absolutely steaming. It's fine. Doesn't it? Uh, I mean, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. But hey, I mean, it was sealed with some wax. I mean, a wax seal with a cork on it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a pretty legit way of. Yeah, I got all the wax in mine, man. I had to to chew mine. (laughs) Yeah, it's nice and chewy, isn't it? Yeah. It's crazy how those scotches are a little chewy. Yeah, next time we'll do the Laphroaig. I'm telling you that Laphroaig 10 is tough to beat. That's that's the scotch of choice right there. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, let's wrap this up. Uh, thank you so much for coming down and, uh, and spending time. And it's mm. always, always such a pleasure. And I'm sure I'll keep you around here the rest of the day as long as we can keep you. Here. Oh yeah, hang out with the staff. Anytime I'm here, man, it's always a, it's always a fun time. And Kat, it's been fun traveling. You got to go back to Australia. I'm actually going back to England first for a couple, a couple of weeks, and then back to Australia. But and then back to I'm, I'm, I'm in and out, man. I'm, yeah. I'm all over the world at the moment. Yeah. So how's your, well, let's, let's update everybody on what's going on with you. How's your Kickstarter doing? How's so, it, all your future projects going? Uh, we've got five days to go. So when this launches, it'll be just ending. It'll be just ending, okay. um, but we'll be launching an Indiegogo campaign straight after. So, nice. but uh, yeah, we'll be hitting a quarter of a million dollars for space art guys. This yeah. is, and I mean, this, on one campaign, on one campaign yeah. over like 50 days. Which is insane. Yeah. The money that's going to go and be raised from this is going to build a chandelier, which, you know, is going to be cool. It's like a 26 foot diameter galaxy chandelier of the Milky Way. Yeah. These concepts that she's, you know, that she's got in her head are, are fantastic. And what she's got planned or is even, is a, is even just amazing on, on any scale. You know, someone said something really important to me recently. Oh, it made me take a step back. And it was like, you know, every time you go into a natural history museum and you see a big dinosaur, I said, wouldn't it be cool if it was galaxy? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to put the Milky Way there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's cool. Like, why wouldn't we want to in- inspire people? So this, what I'm hoping to build, based on the Gaia mission data from the European Space Agency, is the whole point of, like, allowing people to see, like, a 3D spiralized version of, like, actual data. Yeah. I mean, that's mad. I and mean, I mean, I mean, that's that's the literal definition of opening space up for everyone. 
you know, I mean, getting that yeah. galaxy data out there and seeing what it actually looks like for people that may not ever have access to a telescope or mm-hmm. may not have ever seen looked through a telescope. You know, it's just it's and seen any of the data or any of the images that yeah. Dustin posts or anybody from OPT. I mean, right. it's it it changes lives. Well, I love the idea, too, that it's going in museums because museums are supposed to inspire, um, you know, the visitors. They're supposed to get people thinking and talking. And why should we only use our past to do that? And when you put a Milky Way chandelier, you're taking it, you're flipping it upside down and saying, let's be inspired by our future. Mm. You know, I was just thinking about this, too. You know, when you're talking about like natural history museums, why don't we have like world's fairs anymore? You know, why don't we, why don't we try and celebrate innovation in the future anymore? Is there, is that, is that just something that's gone by the wayside now? Like we just dwell on the history and not look towards the future. What is the world? It's called the Apple store. So the world's World's fair. Fair, That's like the hot dog eating company. (laughs) (laughs) The world's fair used to be like expos, you know, month long expos of like, of future innovations and okay. tech and yeah. technology and mm. like, oh, this is coming. You have like you CES, know. right? That's a oh, huge. That's you but have that's, huge I mean, that's electronics, connection. right? I mean, right. that's not like well, just, then, that's then. not like the future of like space exploration. Oh, or, I see. Yeah. You know, like of what could be, you know, in the future, mm-hmm. you know, like it's just something that, that I think has just fallen by the wayside due to the, you know, the way things are going in the, in the world. I feel like we need to, we need to put that stuff on, right? Yeah. Someone's got to do it. OPT World Fair? Yeah. Oh, throwing that at me. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We're signing you. Saddling, always, always. Saddling me with that because now I'm going to get 550 emails about this one hey, thing. Hey, you know, you got to get through a few failures that? before success, right? <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Bryce. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. So anyway, um, thank you both for, for being on and uh, let's stop it here and we'll do this again soon, right? Absolutely. Anytime. All right. Cool. See you guys. Bye. Thanks. Space Junk is produced by Deep Astronomy and sponsored by OPT Telescopes in Carlsbad, California. Please visit our website at spacejunkpodcast.com. Also, please send any questions and comments or ideas for new episodes to spacejunk at deepastronomy.com.